there was this great big statue, and each body part represented a different what? Kingdom. And it started with what kingdom? Babylon. Then it went to Medo-Persia. Then it went to Greece. And then it went to Rome. And then Rome divided, and then Jesus comes. Yes? All right. Then we went to Daniel chapter 7, and lo and behold, the exact same sequence. This time it wasn't an image with body parts. It was a sequence of four what? Beasts. And each beast represents a kingdom. And it begins with the kingdom of Babylon. And then it goes to Medo-Persia. Then it goes to Greece. Now, careful now. And then it goes to Rome. Then is Rome divided into ten parts. Then we had the little horn. And then we had the judgment scene. And then we had the second coming. Same sequence, just more details towards the end, yes? Which, of course, we're headed towards the very end events. That's what we're leading up to, right? Now, last evening, we saw yet another vision given to Daniel. Of course, Daniel chapter 2 wasn't a vision given to Daniel. It was actually given to whom? Nebuchadnezzar. That was for extra credit bonus points. Good job. Okay. I forgot to write them all down, but the Lord sees. (laughs) But in Daniel chapter 7, it was the first vision Daniel personally received in the first year of reign of King Belshazzar. Daniel chapter 8, our study last night, was the second vision he directly received in the third year of King Belshazzar. And this time you saw a sequence of beasts. But instead of four beasts, how many beasts were shown? Two. Yes? You saw, was the first kingdom Babylon? No, the first kingdom was Medo-Persia. And that was represented by a ram. You recall that. Then there was the goat representing the kingdom of Greece. And then you saw the little horn representing all of Rome, but especially focused on the papal, the religious, the spiritual end of Rome, that Antichrist power. Now, Daniel chapter 8 also ends differently. Daniel 2 and Daniel 7 end with Jesus coming again. But this one doesn't do that. It ends with a thing called the cleansing of the sanctuary, right? And the very last thing we're told is that under 2,300 days, or at the end of 2,300 years, then the sanctuary will be what? Cleansed, which is a reference to the day of judgment, right? When God, through his man Jesus Christ, will judge the world in preparation for his return where he'll reward each one according to their works. Are everyone with me so far? All right, good. Now, Daniel had one question on his mind. When will this thing be? I mean, I know it's at the end of the 2300 days, but the end of something doesn't really make any sense unless you're told the beginning of something. And when asked about that, the angel messenger simply said, the vision of the 2300 evenings and mornings, the 2300 days or 2300 years is what? True. Now seal it up, close the book, bye-bye. At the end of Daniel chapter 8, did Daniel understand what he had been shown? No. I mean, he understood that there would be the four kingdoms, he understood Medo-Persia and Greece, he understood Rome, but this 2300 days wasn't in his head. With that framework in mind, we're going to turn tonight to the very next chapter, Daniel chapter 9, 
as we start to get some answers to these questions. But before we study God's Word, what do we need to do? Pray. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for being a God who answers our questions. Maybe not when we want, and maybe not with the answer that we want, but you do hear our prayers, and you've promised to give wisdom. And so tonight, we ask for that wisdom. We ask that the Holy Spirit who inspired these scriptures would now inspire our understanding of scripture, teach us and lead us into all truth, for we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's turn to Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9. Now that we've reviewed the context leading up to Daniel chapter 9, you'll see that Daniel chapter 9 makes perfect sense when you see what he's going through here. Daniel chapter 9, starting in verse 1. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the lineage of the whom? Medes. Apparently, who's in control of what the former Babylonian Empire now? The Medes. It has transitioned to the time after Babylon into the time of the Medes and Persians. If we had time tonight, we just simply don't. But if you'd like to read in Daniel chapter 5, it tells the story of the transition from Babylon to Medo-Persia. But it happened literally overnight. It's fascinating. But now, Babylon is off the map. There's a, it's under new management, shall we say. But Daniel's still in exile. Now, this has to get his wheels to cranking a little bit in his mind. He's cogitating on this. Why are we still here in exile? If Babylon, our captors, have themselves become captives. What's going on? Sets up verse 2. Notice again, of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood... By the books, the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through whom? Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Now, there's a lot in this. It's a rather long sentence, but let's break it down a little bit. Daniel is trying to understand something, namely, how long are they going to be in captivity And he turns to what source for answers? The Bible, does he not? By the way, do you think about this? Do prophets study the Bible? Absolutely. So he said, well, the Lord has given me all kinds of visions, but I'm here in Babylon, and I recall that the prophet Jeremiah had written about this experience, and I'm going to go back and see what he said, because it seems to be time is up. It's got to be getting close. So he was studying prophecy, namely the book of Jeremiah, And he discovered in there that there would be 70 years of captivity or desolation of Jerusalem. Now, I want to demonstrate that the same thing Daniel was studying is in your Bible tonight. So leave your finger in Daniel chapter 9. That's kind of going to be home base. But I want you to turn back to the left to the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 25. I believe this is page 755 in your pew Bible. Jeremiah chapter 25, and you'll get a sample of what Daniel himself was studying. Chapter uh, 25 of the book of Jeremiah, 
We'll just start with verse 1 to get a context here. The word that came to Jeremiah concerning all the people of Judah in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, the king of Judah, which was the first year of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, which Jeremiah the prophet spoke to all the people of Judah and to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, saying, From the thirteenth year of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, even to this day, this is the twenty-third year in which the word of the Lord has come to me, and I have spoken to you, rising early in speaking, but you have what? Not listen. Jeremiah says, I've been preaching repentance to you for how long? Twenty-three years. Still, no evidence that it's come into your head at all, that you understand that there's conviction in your heart, even though the Lord's message is for you. Notice what he says then. Verse 4, And the Lord has sent to you all his servants, the whom? Prophets, rising early and sending them, but you have not listened nor inclined your ear to hear. And what were they saying? Verse 5, they said, repent now every one of his evil way and his evil doings and dwell in the land that the Lord has given to you and your fathers forever and ever. Notice it's a promise. If you repent, you'll get to stay here without having to go into exile in places like Babylon. Seems pretty clear. And the Lord has been giving you 23 years. Still haven't done it goes on. Do not go after other gods to serve them and worship them, and do not provoke me to anger with the works of your hands, and I will not harm you. This is what's called a conditional prophecy. The Lord says, I'm going to bring wrath and judgment and these difficult things, but the purpose is to bring you to repentance. And if you change your ways, I'll change the outcome. But that's on you. He goes on. Verse 7, yet you have not listened to me, says the Lord, that you might provoke me to anger with the works of your hands to your own hurt. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, because you have not heard my words, behold, I will send and take all the families of the north, said the Lord, and Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, what's the next phrase? My servant. By the way, Nebuchadnezzar thinks he's great. He's just doing God's work for him. The Lord is arranging these matters so that his people will have repentance, right? Now, I would love to take the time. I wish we could do another series and just talk about Nebuchadnezzar. Brilliant man. Had some pride issues, but the Lord kept working with him too. You want a great study on how the Holy Spirit works with people? Study the life of Nebuchadnezzar. It's fascinating. But the Lord calls him my servant to do my bidding against my people. So it goes on. Again, verse 9, Behold, I will take into all the families of the north, says the Lord, and Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, and will bring them against this land, against its inhabitants, and against these nations all around, and will utterly destroy them, and make, and make them an astonishment, a hissing and perpetual desolations. Moreover, I will take from them the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the sound of the millstones and the light of the lamp. He's like, this whole place is going to be ground into stuck, nothing, done. Desolate, that's what it means. Void, empty. Verse 11, And this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon how long? Seventy years. So Daniel, getting close to that 70-year mark, 
sees a transition in leadership in Babylon, he says, you know what I need to do? I need to go back and study the Scripture. I need to review. By the way, we should, just as much as we should, be, we should never be once saved, always saved, we shouldn't be once learned, always learned. We should keep learning, keep studying, reviewing, deepening, broadening our understanding of Scripture. Daniel is a prophet of God, but when he had an issue, he went to Scripture to study it out. And sure enough, he found 70 years. Again, you see the same thing in chapter 29 of Jeremiah. If you want to study that, you can, but let's move on back to Daniel chapter 9. Repeatedly, Jeremiah... Now, if you think about this, Jeremiah, I'd love to do the study of their ages, but Daniel, when he came into captivity, was probably in his mid to late teenage years, probably 16, 17, 18, somewhere around in there. And apparently, Jeremiah had been preaching this for 23 years before the captivity happened. That means that likely Daniel grew up with this message of repentance, of revival and reformation all his life and had witnessed it not happen. And then he gets taken into captivity because he was one of the young, good-looking, quick-to-learn nobles, and off he goes. So Daniel's reviewing Scripture. He's reviewing his own history with this experience. He's lived through the exile, and now he's saying, Lord, isn't it about time? So we go back to Daniel chapter 9. Daniel has been studying these scriptures and he sees the prophet Jeremiah. But what was the problem in the time of Jeremiah? The people had not changed their minds. They hadn't changed their behavior. They hadn't converted through the preaching of the gospel. The warning of God's message hadn't really hit them. And so what does Daniel do? He says, here we are. Is it possible the Lord is going to extend our time? It's about to be time up. And so what does Daniel do? He prays. One of the most beautiful prayers in Scripture. Let's just start with verse 3. Then I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. And what does he pray for in verse 4? And I prayed to the Lord my God and made, what's that word? Confession. And said, O Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps His covenant and mercy with those who love Him and with those who do what? Keep his You're going to see that over and over, that construct in Scripture, all the way up from the Old Testament, New Testament, here in Daniel's time. The love of God should spur you on to keep his commandments. But those people in those days claimed to love the Lord, to be his people, but they weren't following his commands. But here Daniel says, we should be doing better. Look what he says in verse 5. We have sinned and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and rebelled even by departing from your precepts and your judgment. Neither have we heeded your servants, the prophets. There's that construct again, the servants, the prophets. Who spoke in your name to our kings and our princes, to our fathers and all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongs to you, but to to us shame a face as it is to this day. To the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, those near and those far off and all the countries to which you have driven them because of the unfaithfulness which they have committed against you. And this prayer of repentance goes on and on and on. Daniel is trying to get right with the Lord. But as it closes, notice what he prays for. Look at verse 18. 
Oh my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations. And the city which is called by your name, right? Jerusalem has been sitting in ruins over here, vacant, void, desolate for 70 years now, coming up on, right? He says, Lord, think about your city. Think about your name. Don't think about us, but think about you being glorified in your people. For we do not present our supplications before you because of our righteous deeds, but because of your great mercies. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and act. Do not, what's that word? Delay. What is Daniel afraid is going to happen? That he's going to extend that time because they haven't changed their minds, haven't changed their hearts. And he says, Lord, I'm sorry on my behalf and our behalf. Please keep your promise. Bring us home. Do not delay for your own sake. My God, for your city and your people are called by your name. Now, look at verse 20. Now, while I was speaking, praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplications before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God. Yes, while I was speaking in prayer, clearly, was he done with his prayer yet? No. He says midstream, mid-sentence, mid-thought, while I was still speaking, look what happens. Yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man whom? Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning. Has he seen Gabriel before? Yes. Whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, reached me about the time of the evening offering. And he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I have now come forth to give you skill to do what? Understand. Has he come to give him a new vision? No. He's come to give him understanding. I have now come forward to give you skill to understand. At the beginning, I love this part. Notice what happened. At the beginning of your supplications, the command went out, and I have come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved. Therefore, consider the matter and understand what? The vision. There's two things I want to bring out here. Number one, when was Gabriel sent? At the beginning of his The moment you bow down and say, Lord, I am sorry, I have sinned, boom. God sends it out. He doesn't wait for you to go through hoops. He doesn't wait for you to do just the right things. He says, if you bring a sincere, honest, confessing heart to me in that moment, I'm there with you. Powerful thought. And he shows up before the prayer is even finished, which tells me something. I don't know how fast angels fly or exactly how, fast they, how far they have to go. But the moment he said go, Gabriel went. Apparently, in heaven, all of the angelic hosts obey God's word, Yes? And they're expecting us to do the same. And the moment Daniel confesses and said, my sin and the sin of my people, God says, go. Give him understanding. But look again now what it says. Understanding of what? Look at it again at the verse, end of verse 23. Therefore, consider the matter and understand what? Well, doesn't that beg a question? We've just read through basically the entire chapter of 9. And has there been a vision? No. The only thing that's been recorded in Daniel chapter 9 is a what? Is a prayer, right? A Bible study that led to prayer. 
Bible study and prayer. No vision. But he's come to give him understanding about a vision. So without even breaking down the thing, you know if you were here last night, what's the only thing Daniel needs an answer to? The 2300 days of the previous vision, right? Now let's t- let me show you something fascinating. Fascinating. The word, and you're going to write this down now. This is going to be fill in the blanks. I want to show you some fascinating thing about the Hebrew word. Now, I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but these couple of Hebrew words are critical for our study tonight. Critical for our study tonight. The word vision, and he says, come to help you understand the vision. The word vision in Hebrew that we find in Daniel chapter 8 and Daniel chapter 9 actually comes from two different Hebrew words. And those words are, and I'll spell them for you, in fact, they're in the line below, you can see that. The first one is hazon, H-A-Z-O-N, hazon. When you see that word in Hebrew, it means vision. And the word mara, M-A-R-E-H. Two different Hebrew words, but are translated into English, vision. Now, why would that be? Well, let's explain it a little bit. But first, I want to make sure we get that first one. The word vision that we find in Daniel 8 and 9 actually comes from two different Hebrew words, hazon and merah. Now, hazon refers to the entire vision. Okay, write that down. The entire vision or the whole vision. The entirety of that vision while mera refers only to a part or a portion of the vision. And we can demonstrate that here in just a moment, but I want you to write those thoughts down so you have them in your head. Hazon refers to the entire vision, while mera refers only to a portion or a part of the vision, a piece of it. Now, why is that important and how does we help us understand anything? Well, let's go back a little bit, and you've got it right there in your notes. I want you to follow along. I usually say follow along in your Bible, but I want you to see it because I've inserted these words into the notes here, okay, in the study guide. Again, Daniel chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. In the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar, now this is chapter 8, remember? The one before what we're studying tonight, last night's study. In the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar, a vision, and what word is used there? Hazon. That means the whole thing, right? A big old vision. I don't know that big old is a technical term, but you understand what I'm saying. Appeared to me, to me, Daniel, after the one that appeared to me the first time, which that's a reference to Daniel chapter 7. I saw in the vision, and there's the same word again, hazon, this big picture vision, and so it happened while I was looking that I was in Shushan, the citadel, which is in the province of Elam, and I saw in the vision that I was by the river Ulai. The same word for vision is used three times. Hazon, Hazon, Hazon. He's talking about this whole visionary experience, the whole thing. He says, I had this vision, the whole process. Now, towards the end, watch what we see a change here. Chapter 8, verses 26 and 27. And the vision, but this time it doesn't say Hazon, it says what? Mera, of the evenings and mornings which was told is true. Now, I agree that the whole vision is true also, yes? 
But specific, now he uses a different word to talk about one part of that vision, specifically the evenings and mornings, the 2300 days. When he talks about that part of the Daniel chapter 8 vision, he uses a different word. So the vision of the evening and mornings is not the same thing as the whole thing. It's that part he's specifying. Okay? The mara of the evenings and mornings, which was told, is true. Therefore, seal up the vision. Seal up the little part or the big part? The big The whole thing. Seal the whole thing up. But inside of this whole thing is a vision, the 2300 days. Now notice this. For it, refer, for it refers to many days in the future. And I, Daniel, fainted and was sick for days. Afterward, I arose and went about the king's business. I was astonished by the vision. Now, pause right here. Is he astonished by the whole thing? No. Because he knew about Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome. He knew the whole sequence. And when he sees Medo-Persia, he's not surprised. When he sees Greece, he's not surprised. When he sees the little horn, he's already had the little horn in Daniel 7. The only thing he doesn't understand is the 2300 days. And thus, when he says, I didn't understand the vision, he's not talking about the whole thing. He's talking about that one portion of the thing, the mara of the evenings and mornings, the 2300 days. Right there in Scripture. Notice again, it says here, I, Daniel, fainted, verse 27 of chapter 8. I, Daniel, fainted and was sick for days. Afterwards, I rose and went about the king's business. I was astonished by the vision, that's the mara of the 2300 days, but no one understood it. Now, with that in mind, we go back to where we are now, chapter 9. Verse 21 through 23. While I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision, Hazon, yes, you're still with me, at the beginning, uh, being caused to fly swiftly, reached me about the time of the evening offering. And he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I have now come forth to give you skill to understand. Now, if all we had was that, you could still say, obviously, the thing he needs to understand is the one thing he didn't understand before, yes? But the Bible makes it even clearer that we're talking specifically about the 2300 days. Again, I have now come forth to give you skill to understand. At the beginning of your supplications, the command went out, and I have come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved. Therefore, consider the matter and understand the what? The vision, the Mara of the 2300 days. Gabriel has not come to give a full explanation of all the kingdoms and all the orders and the beasts. No, no, no. Daniel already understood that part. What he came to clear up is the one thing he admitted he didn't understand, and that was the Mara, the portion of that vision that referred to the 2300 days. So let me ask you this simple question. Whatever Gabriel, we read him giving instruction about now in Daniel chapter 9, it relates specifically to the 2300 days. In fact, that's the whole point of him being sent. There is no vision it could refer to in Daniel chapter 9, and it doesn't even mean the whole thing of chapter 8. It specifically means the 2300 days. So the answer to what was the only question, by the way? When will the 2300 days begin? That was the one thing left hanging. 
is now coming from Gabriel. He says, I've come to give you understanding in this. Are you with me so far? Praise God. Because that sets up the table for everything else we're going to learn tonight. Now, let's go to fill in the blank. Make sure you have this in your notes. So if you go home and review this. Gabriel has not come to give a new vision. Even though he's going to give a new vision, the new vision he gives is an answer to the other one, yes? Okay. Gabriel's not come merely to give a new vision, but an explanation of the earlier vision or the previous vision. Okay. What, Daniel has come, what Gabriel has come to Daniel to give him is an explanation to the previous one. Now, that explanation takes the form of a new vision. But it's not a new vision just to have a new vision, like, all right, we passed that stuff, now it's on to the next thing. No, no, no. The purpose of this one is to explain that one. Clear? Now, the answer to the time prophecy of Daniel chapter 8, the 2300 days, is the time prophecy of Daniel chapter 9, or the 70 weeks we're about to read about. So let's turn our study guides over and continue in Daniel chapter 9. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.